Louis Alvesan with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We always appreciate it when you do. You get perspectives from all kind of different people, all kind of interesting questions. Yeah, you'd be surprised what happens in South Louisiana doesn't necessarily happen in Montana. Well, that's right. But things that happen <laughs> in Montana don't happen here. <laughs> well, you know, when you get up into the northern part of the United States where the temperatures are a lot colder, right. they tend to salt the roads and stuff because of the icing and one thing or another, and that brings on a whole series oh, of dynamics. Does. I know I've got a lot of friends who own shops up in the north, what they call the Rust Belt. Uh-huh. And the problems that they run across, a lot of times I'll make a statement on one of the forums or something, and they can't, they just can't understand. <laughs> and it's like people here keep cars a long time. Oh, yeah. 10, 15, 20, 20 years. years. It's not that unusual right. to see people who own cars here. I mean, you figure a 1999 model, that's really... There's no shortage of those no, there's, running there's around No, there's plenty here. of them here. But there are areas of the country where you just don't see that because those cars rust away. Right. They just don't last. Yeah. Well, the, it starts eating up the brake lines. It eats up the fuel lines. It eats up the chassis. And they just get to a point where it's not economically feasible to repair them. I know you, we've seen some cars. Remember right. this little Honda Odyssey, I think, came yeah. in one time. and Yeah, it was rusted up so bad underneath you couldn't even turn. Yeah, Nothing would turn. The exhaust had just falling in, in half yeah. and he was making he brought it to us to try to fix the exhaust and when you looked under it there was just really nothing there to work with exactly it was, it was one gone. mass of rust from one end to the other and he's well i kind of suspect yeah <laughs> but we don't really see that much here no. and of course out west arizona and all there you don't see that at all exactly. those cars even last better than they do here here, at least, you've got the Gulf Coast and all where there is a certain amount of salt. I know in the air. Most of the rusting we see, like the little Toyota truck that came in with the front frame was rusted out. And the guy, I think, was a shrimper. Uh-huh. And he, he was always out, on the beach. Yeah, he was out on the beach and all with his little four-wheel drive truck. And the salt had gotten into it. And right. Just eat, just eat it up. We had to build him another frame rail for just the front. Just about, yeah. Yeah. But it's amazing how certain things happen in certain areas and don't happen in other areas. Yep. Let's catch a couple of these phone calls. We've got Billy online. Good morning, Billy. Good morning. How y'all doing, fellas? Doing great, sir. Doing great. Good. Better than I deserve, like Ray Ramsey said. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what I want to ask you, I want to get my oil changed yesterday at a certain place. I'm not going to mention the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did a great job. I wanted to check my battery for them because I was having problems with it. It wasn't cranking real hard. I found out I had a low cold cranking amp in it. Okay. He told me to bring it back, and he'd charge it for me for a few hours and see how that would do. If not, I'd have to get another battery because I went to get it inspected. And it kept knocking the inspection off because the battery was getting bad. Yes, sir. It'll do and, that. But it, it did it did pass. It did mm-hmm. go through. But I wanted to know, it asked me, I use Delco porcelain because I have a 2007 Silverado. Mm-hmm. And I use all Delco. You had a battery there. I said, how much is the battery for that truck? $175 for a Delco battery for that truck. I yeah, said, that, that's a little a 40, high. That's a 42, 42-month battery. I said, they don't make batteries last longer than 42 months for that price? <laughs> yeah, that's got a Group 48 battery right. in it. It's a different battery. The old Group 78 that came in all the ones up to a certain point was a less expensive battery just because they made millions and millions of them. The 48 is a more expensive battery. I think it's a little different battery technology in it because it has a different charging system on that truck. But 
Yeah, batteries, like everything else in our society, has gone up in price considerably. $140, $150 batteries aren't that unusual anymore. And that sound, 175 sounds a little high on that one, unless maybe it was a AMG battery or something, you know, a sorbent glass mat that he sold you. Seemed like it lasts longer for that kind of money, huh? Well, but they, they really you know, don't. You no. know, I don't buy the, you know, you'll see like these seven, eight-year batteries and all. Man, that's just, all that is is it's just selling your warranty. In South Louisiana, if you get three to four years on a battery, you've done real good because the temperature extremes and all that sort of thing. I generally buy a three-year battery and change it every three years. I see. I if, find also, if it makes three years. Yeah. Yes, sir. Also, they did a good job. Don't get me wrong. They checked all my fluids and mm-hmm. lubed it and everything. What I wanted to ask, of course, you can't go back there and watch, but I'd like to because I'm funny about my truck. Mm-hmm. But it was a good place. It's all certified. And got, I've heard a lot of good things about it, so I went. They said they lubed it. Mm-hmm. Now, it's my lube, my chassis, my hatches, and my hinges. Does my truck have a open fitting or a seal system on that truck? I think the new ones, I believe, have grease fittings on them. I'm not sure. They have a handful of fittings. They don't yeah. have a lot of fittings like the old vehicles did, but, but they have more than the the mid range vehicles. Right. There's they the, went through a, a process. They had, you know, everything was greasable at one point. Then they went to a non greasable components yep. for a little while. And now, they've come, and now back, they've come back to kind of the greasable. Some of the things are greasable. Yeah. yeah. And you got to watch too. A lot of people, what they consider lubing the truck, they hit the grease fittings with a grease gun, and that's it. But like right. you alluded to, the door latches, the, the hinges, hinges, the or oh, the hood hinges, right. all that really need a little squirt of poly lube also from time. It right. doesn't have to be done every oil change, obviously, but every yeah. year or two, it really doesn't hurt to put a little bit of lube on those as well. So it is an open system on the 2007 or a sealed system on the fitting? As far as, as the grease fittings under the truck, there are some fittings on it. Okay. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to ask also was what battery – would you recommend for a decent price for that truck? Well, it's a Group 48, and if you find a Group 48 battery, I mean, there's a couple of brands I just don't like because they tend to leak a lot, and I can't mention names on the air. But, I mean, I don't believe in necessarily spending a whole, whole lot of money. AC Delco has three different levels of batteries that they sell. You don't necessarily need the top level. Most so all any of them, level, another level would do good for that yes, truck? Yes, as long as it's a Group 48 and it meets all the standard specifications, I've always felt that the only difference in the batteries is the price and, and the warranty. But now they do have what they call an AMG battery, which is absorbent glass mat, which is a better battery. It doesn't leak or anything, but I, that truck doesn't actually call for that. So that, that's a maintenance-free battery, correct? Yeah, they're all maintenance-free. Right. Everything you buy is going to be maintenance-free. Well, see, my battery's been on that truck. It's a 10-year-old truck. I just bought it. I've only had it a year. only put 5000 on it. And that, no telling how long that battery's been on there. And it's, yeah. not, it's not maintenance-free, so yeah, might be getting bad on me. Yeah, basically everything's going to be a maintenance-free battery. Now, you can't get a battery that you can put water in anymore. And he also, on the on the mileage on that truck, mm-hmm. you can put a sticker on it for my next checkup. I mean, my next oil change. Mm-hmm. I put 5W30 Mobile 1 on it, which is a good oil. I put a Delco filter on mm-hmm. it, which is a great, good filter. Right. Put the next oil change at 7,400 miles. I wouldn't do I wouldn't that, that because far. you're not putting very many miles on it. That's extreme no, service. I mean, I would probably change that all every six months. I wouldn't even look at the mileage on it. Because, I mean, if you're only putting 5,000 a year, the time is going to go away way faster than the miles do. I mean, 7,400 miles for you would be a year and a half. Yeah, because I only put 5,400 miles on it. Yeah, no, that, no, that's a disservice, I think. You can start seeing a lot of leaks and stuff on your truck. Because all the seals are going to start getting hard if you don't change it out more often. Now, and not only that, but the moisture that collects in it—the only way to get uh, that out is a draining. Yeah, field. it's going to start attacking the 
all the metal components, and see, that goes right through the filter because it's right. liquid, just like the oil is. Yeah, and he also found a belt that was bad. He said, my serpentine belt for my air conditioner was bad. Yeah. It charged me $19.94 for the, for the labor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, so yeah guess, that, that belt's not hard to change. Yeah, there's two little belts under there. you got a big belt and you got a little belt that runs the AC. And the little belt, because it's smaller, is going to show the wear faster. I would probably change both of those if they're original, yeah. you know, just because of time. Well, he put the little one on there. The other one, I guess it was okay, but he only put the small one on there. Yeah, I mean, if that's the original belt on that truck, I would definitely change it out. I mean, you figure the thing is, what, 11 years old? Yeah, I like to do them together. Almost 11 years old next year, yes. Yeah. And really, okay, the, please. And really, uh-huh. the labor is all the same because you got to take the big belt off to put the little one on. Yeah. Now, it may have been changed before, oh, too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I guess the other one was okay because he did check it. So yeah, maybe it's already been changed. Could have. Could have. I appreciate your time, right, man. man. You'll do, right. do a great job. Thank well, thank you. Thank you. Man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number, and we're going back to our phone lines with Josh. Good morning, Josh. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, good man. morning. I've got a 2008 Ford F-150 with a 5.4. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's the three valve or the two valve V8, but my question was: is um, I know we're not supposed to mention brands on the air, but I use Mobile One mm-hmm. Hot 20 in it since the first day that I bought it. Okay. And I know that you say that you recommend, you know, going with the proper. Um, it does call for 520, but I live all the way up here in Billings, Montana, mm-hmm. and it gets cold and. First of all, the truck has almost 198,000 miles on it, mm-hmm. and it, you know, and then I've noticed it starting to make a little bit of a noise, and I was just wondering if that was maybe due to the high mileage and the engine is possibly getting tired, maybe. It could very well be, Josh. Uh, that particular engine, in my opinion, that 543 valve, 190 is is really past its lifetime. It was not a very robust engine ever. We see right. them go out a lot sooner than that, even using the proper oils and all that stuff. I mean, if you don't use the proper oil, don't use the proper filter, they generally make about 100000 right. I mean, you've got almost double that now. But if it's a noise like a rattle, kind of a muted noise, first thing when you crank it up goes away after it runs a minute or so, that's generally the timing chain guides are either worn or broken. They're made out of plastic, and they do break. In fact, if you go on my website and just type in Ford Timing Chain, there's a big old article that shows you all the details and all on it, and that guy well, will break. Well, you know, and then that's funny that you mentioned that because I'm starting to see like an orangish, yellowish plastic material. Yeah, well, that one's yellow and one's orange. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where it came from. Yeah, I'm sure that's where it came from. And at 190K, I mean, you can go in and change just the timing change if you like, if the rest of the engine is pretty healthy, but you're getting pretty close to the end of the life of that engine anyway, and that is a huge job to change those timing yeah. chains. You, right. Now, see, now my second question was, is, are you guys familiar with a company called Powertrain Direct? No, I, I haven't I've dealt seen with them personally. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, and then that's my next question. I mean, the truck itself is in pristine condition. Mm-hmm. There's no rust on it. Right. I mean, it's still in really good shape. And I'm trying to decide if I want to throw it away or buy another engine for it. Yeah, and I get this question every day, all day long, because we install a lot of engines. And people always right. ask, is this worth it? That's a question that truly only you can answer. However, I can give you some thoughts. If the engine goes out or it's worn out, the truck is basically worth zero. You know, you throw it away and you move on. Now, if you repair it, and that repair is probably, if you put like a Ford remanufactured engine in there or any good quality engine, if you have to pay to do it, you're probably going to be in the $7,000, dollars right. range. But, I mean, what are you going to buy for $7,000? You can't buy right, any exactly. kind of a truck for that. 
Now, the thing right. is, like I tell people, put the seven grand in it. You could probably drive it three years, and you could sell it and still get your seven back out of it. Right now, you walk right. away with zero. You know, you exactly. don't have anything to trade. So, I mean, I'm a big proponent of doing that if you like the vehicle. My yeah. only exception, if you, hey, I hate this car. I've always hated this car. This is a good time. Well, it's a good time to bail in. If you don't like the car, life's too short to have something you don't like. But, you know, that's the reason I'm still driving a 2005 Buick with 200,000 miles on it because I can't find anything I like better. And, I mean, right. I, I recently completely redid the air conditioner on it, which cost me a couple thousand bucks, which is probably more than the car's worth. But you know what? <laughs> still gets me where I want to go, and it's cheaper than buying another car. Right. Now, my next question real quick is, is how easy is it to change the front diff and the rear diff and the transportation oil the, out of that? The fluid? Yeah. Pretty, pretty easy. Not I mean, big. most of them... You don't even have to pull the rear cover or the front cover. You can get in as either a drain plug on it, or you can take a tube and stick it through the fuel plug and suck out the oil. Right. The transfer case does have a drain plug, and it's easy peasy. I mean, less than now. Less do you than know 15, right offhand if that takes seventy five one forty or is it eighty one forty? Well, the transfer the, case is not. No, the the rear end is going to be seventy five W one forty, and really the difference in seventy five one forty and eighty one forty. I mean, it's just negligible. It's, it's really virtually no difference there. They base. I mean, they're so close together. I don't think it's hard to find an eighty-one forty, and right. almost everything. Mobile One makes a seventy-five. I mean, we use seventy-five one forty and have never, ever, ever had a problem. Even though they technically do say eighty-one forty on a lot of them. But, right. Uh, well, I think the, the fortunate is, thing for me is is that I work in the oil business, mm-hmm. so any fluids that I need, you know, yeah. I get at cost or for free. Well, so I mean, if you can get the exact, cheap for me. yeah, if you can get the exact all, then that's <laughs> yeah. fine. It would be even better. But I don't. Th- I think the difference is going to be so negligible that you would never, ever, ever notice a difference in it. All right. So, well, I mean, you know, I guess I'll just have to look into that. And I mean, now, would you recommend changing the transmission too? Because I know, you know, I've been noticing too that it's shifting kind of hard from fourth gear into overdrive. Or no, it's a four speed, I believe. Yeah, it may be going into lockup. Is what you're feeling it is going into lockup? Yeah, you see, after it makes this final shift, then it's going to go into lockup, which feels like a shift, confuses a lot of people. But it's not tre- right, t- technically, right. it's not a shift. But what'll happen if that fluid gets old? It, these are notorious for that. They'll sort. Of, I've changed it five times. Yeah, it'll sort of chatter as it goes to lock up. Even if you do yeah. change it, they their Fords are kind right. of notorious for that. Yeah, I mean, I would. How, how long has it been since it's been replaced? I did it a month and a half ago. Okay, oh, yeah. You use the Mercon Five or SP yep. or LV or whatever it calls. Yeah, for. yeah. I when it comes to fluids for like my transmission mm-hmm. and my differential and stuff, mm-hmm. I get that from Ford. But, yeah, not a bad um, idea. As far as the diff fluid goes, I mean, again, I think I'm going to stick with the uh, Mobile One. Yeah, product. yeah, yeah. That's, that's what a we good use. Product. Yeah, I mean, it could be that it's getting a little wear and tear on that transmission. But, again, if it's just a slightly harsher lockup or your final shift, I wouldn't be overly concerned with it. I mean, if you want to know for sure, you could take it to a transmission shop, have him put a scan tool and a pressure gauge on it and monitor exactly what's happening, and he could tell you pretty easily. Yeah, you know, and then it's just kind of weird for me too because you know there's no bad material there's no metal collecting on the inside of the right. band so you know i mean it's, it's just baffled me so yeah. I, i'm not sure well and it could be an electrical problem yeah. i mean it sometimes right. if the the electronic pressure control solenoid is hanging slightly maybe putting a little bit too yeah. much pressure to it i mean there's all kinds of things without a pressure gauge and a scan tool to see what's being commanded it can either be an outside sensor that is giving a false response. For instance, if a throttle position sensor is reading off and it thinks you're applying more throttle than you are, it's going to stiffen that shift. 
So, right, I mean, right. lots of things can do it. You just have to have some instrumentation on there while it's occurring to pick up on it. All right. So, I mean, but other than that, I mean, you guys think that I got pretty good life yeah, out oh, of the yeah. vehicle? Yeah, I believe oh, so. Yeah. I mean, they're not, not a bad truck overall. I like that a whole lot better than I do the newer ones. Yeah, you know, and then that's what I was looking at when I bought this one. I'm like, well, if I bought a like a '09 or '10 or '11, right. '12, you know, it has all that traction. You got a lot more gadgets and gizmos that you really don't yep. want, and you know, yeah, more stuff yeah. to, to break. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate it. All right, Josh, is it getting pretty cool up that way? Yeah, it's 41 degrees right now. Wow, nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was, it was about 90 here yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's where it was. About where my folks live down there in Oklahoma too. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, great. Wow. Well, thank you, Josh. All right, thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. All right, bye bye. Bye bye. I got to take our first quick little break. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. Ever plan to motor west? Hey, Jim. Becky said you were in the office and, whoa, what is up with all the charts and graphs, buddy? Oh, I'm using my system I've developed to keep up with the maintenance on my three cars. Is that an armillary sphere? Yes, yes it is. So, the oil gets changed every third full moon. Brake pads divide the years Becky and I have been married by our oldest son's age. Timing belts leap year, except when it's on the time. You know there's a better way, right? I just take my cars into Agco once a year for a general inspection. They give me an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs I need. Sometimes it's just an oil change and they send me on my way. One time, they caught something that could have led to a huge repair. Saved me thousands. Wow, that sounds great. You know, I'm always trying to save money any way I can. Uh, Let me get Agco's number online and uh, give them a call. Is that dial-up? Dude, there's a better way to save money. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us. This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, we sure appreciate you spending Saturday morning with us. Why don't you give us a call? We're glad to help you out and point you in the right direction. And should you happen to miss your prime opportunity this morning to get a live and personal answer, you can always get your questions answered on our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O. A-U-T-O.com. There's a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button and fill out the little form and send it on in. There you go. Sure wish you would. We always appreciate hearing from folks all around the country, all around the world. That we do. You know, we were sitting here just chit-chatting about different things, and it occurred to me, I get a lot of email from all around. Right. And one email that I get in different forms a lot of times, and unfortunately, it's just not a whole, whole lot I can do to help people a lot of times with this particular issues but they'll say well i've got a vehicle and they'll name some problem and i've changed yak 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 and we're trying to get across is go back and recheck all the work that you've done because Mm -hmm. in many many cases it seems like a pretty conventional problem but they may have overlooked something right and that doesn't mean you're a poor mechanic or whatever every person who has ever worked on a car myself included can miss things sure i mean you may get into something and i had a gentleman this morning who emailed he's got a problem with his brakes on his vehicle where the rears are getting hot and he's changed what he thinks is basically every component and he's had a lot of stuff checked he's had some stuff checked professionally and they just can't come up with anything but like i was explaining or trying to explain in my email is that 
I don't know what's been done or how it's been done. So I'm only getting what you're telling me. You're saying everything's okay. What could it be? But without going back through that, because so, so often at the shop, we get this exact scenario. Someone comes in, I've changed, yak, 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 everything's perfect, but I still uh-huh. got this. Well, everything's not perfect or you wouldn't have that problem. Exactly. The problem would have been fixed. And we go through, and 99% of the time, we find a very simple, conventional problem that, that just got overlooked. Just was overlooked, even maybe by a different, uh, two or three different shops, mm-hmm. and sometimes good shops. It just people can overlook stuff. And even in within the shop, occasionally we'll get somebody who just gets bogged down on a job. Right. And as the manager, what I'll do, I'll go out, take that job from that guy and give it to a different guy. Not that I've lost faith in this guy or anything else, but sometimes a fresh set of eyes looking at this can solve that problem pretty sure. easily. And we've sure. seen that happen over and again. And a lot of times we don't even have to use you. We'll communicate amongst ourselves. Right. Hey, have you seen this? Or I need a hand. Can you? Yeah. And we'll figure it out between ourselves. There you go. But the thing is, when you trying to do this all this long distance, you know, if you are, are emailing to mm-hmm. me and you say, I've done blah, 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 blah. All I can do is accept the facts you've given me. Right. But many, many times we don't know if those are truly facts because this is what you perceive. I had a guy one time who had emailed and he was trying to describe a noise and he was describing it one way and I was giving him things based on that. Well, he ended up going somewhere, got the noise fixed, and he calls or writes back and says, well, it was da-da-da-da-da. Well, you know, if you'd have said it was this, you were saying a roar, but it was really really a rattle or or a whistle or whatever, I would have given you different Exactly. Perspective. I am trying to give you a solution based on what you're telling me. Mm-hmm. But if you tell me something that's not 100% or you don't understand exactly what you're saying, then you're not going to get a very good response in that particular instance. And we even get that in the shop sometimes. We do. Let's see if we can catch this call real right. quick before the break. Got Herb online. Good morning, Herb. Good morning. I got two little quickies. Uh, may not get it all in. Man over by the railroad tracks that used to sell batteries, Bill batteries over. I ain't going to call no names. Mm-hmm. He told me one time that. Uh, on five-year battery, I said, why don't it last five years? He said, it ain't supposed to. He said, if it goes five years, you just go buy another battery. If it lasts three and a half, he said, you're going to come looking me up. I'm going to sell you another battery. Mm-hmm. And, and another one, the, my son's daughter got a, it's not a Fusion, it's a 2015, but it's, I think it's the next one smaller than that. The other night, that she parked at about 10 o'clock. Next morning, he got in it to drive it, and it's cutting up, missing, carrying on, and looked under the hood, and there's foam rubber and rubber and all kinds yeah. of mess scattered everywhere. <laughs> And it, yesterday afternoon, it was at $3,800 replacing two wiring harnesses, and they still couldn't get through all of it, so they haven't had to pull the engine out yesterday afternoon. Oh, Lord. Wow. Yeah, some kind of critter got in there. <laughs> so it did. It that, 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 that happens a lot, yeah. believe it or not. I mean, we see that all the time where we get rodent damage in, and many times we go and repair the harnesses. I know if you go to a dealer, they're generally going to put a new harness in it, but like I said, the problem with that is the problem you got. It, yeah, it's pretty it's, expensive, and you don't always fix it. Yeah, all. well. The state farm is paying for it except mm-hmm. for hundred dollars. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, you wouldn't have thought made that big a mess. But oh okay. yeah, they will. Oh yeah, they will, man. You wouldn't you wouldn't believe the damage a rodent can cause. I saw them eat through a wiring harness on a three fifty ZX one time, and that thing's about two inches in diameter. And I mean, they ate through, like through a, it. Oh, like a hacksaw <laughs> cut. It had pieces of <laughs> copper and everything else. And I, I wrote an article on that at that time. I went in and started researching rodents, and their teeth are. I forget the Mo's rating on it, but they're right up there with cast iron. I mean, they can eat through they yeah. can eat through copper, they can eat through tin, they can eat through anything but tool steel, just about. 
they got to keep them working so they'll wear them off. Yeah, they keep wearing them off. Because right. they yeah, keep they, growing. They'll grow right through the bottom of the jaw. And yep. <laughs> they can't eat. <laughs> okay. I'll let y'all go. All right, Thank Herb. You. Thanks, man. Thanks, sir. Hmm. All right. Bye-bye. All right, we got to take our second quick little break. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. I just knocked out three miles myself. Yep, did my meditation this morning to de-stress, and now I'm going to get a little exercise. Tomorrow I need to take the car into the shop, though. That shaking problem's getting worse. You know, you should take care of your car like you take care of your body, and it would save you some money. What do you mean? Preventative maintenance is key. Me and Kathy bring our cars in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They give them the once-over and perform the maintenance needed to keep us on the road. I haven't had any kind of major problem with my cars in forever. I guarantee they would have caught the cause of your shaking issue and fixed it before it became a problem. And probably saved me money, too. Yep. All right. I'm heading home this evening for steak and lobster. Then Kathy and I are going to test run our new hot tub. Surf and turf and a new hot tub? Yeah, and champagne. Saving money on your car allows you to enjoy the finer things in life, Mike, my boy. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco. It's the place to go. Lot behind it, but I can't keep punching with a victory crew. Hey, welcome back. Just join us at the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 291 6901. We're talking a little bit just about very difficult things that give people trouble and uh-huh. all that. And very, very, very often, we get a lot of times people will go in, they'll start trying to repair something. And what they've got is a flaw in logic. Right. They have decided it's a certain thing or whatever, and they're just going at that. And they're kind of, I don't know what the best term would be, but they're they are basically chasing a ghost. That mm-hmm. was not the problem. You'll see this where sometimes we had a guy, I remember a while back, and he says, why is it that I can't get a good AC blower motor for my car? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, exactly what do you mean by that you can't get a good he said i've changed three blower motors okay i said well maybe the blower motor isn't the problem he says, no i know it's the problem i said well how do you know it's the problem he says well it quits blowing i changed the blower motor and it starts working again i said well that doesn't mean the blower motor is the problem how could it not be i said well think about it when you do that blower motor you do a lot of other things too right for instance you're moving a bunch of wires around you're also resetting the whole system let's say you had a bad control head and when you disconnect a component, it totally reboots. So when you put the new one in, it works for a while and until the, the series of situations, events happen. Uh, events happen. I said, you have not confirmed that the blower motor is bad. You just confirmed it doesn't work all you the time. You confirmed that when you change it, it starts working again for right. a while. And so he says, well, I, I don't know. So anyway, he ends up bringing the vehicle to us. And what I did is I put a voltmeter across terminal. I said, now... You're going to have to get it to me while it's not working. Well, naturally, it brings it in and it's working. Correct. So we ended up keeping it for three days. It finally does act up. When it acts up, there's no voltage going to the blower motor. Therefore, it quit working. It quit working. I unplugged it. I plugged it back in. Guess what? It starts working It starts working, yeah. So at that point, what we have to do is wait for it to occur again, which is another three or four days. Mm -hmm. Well, we finally ended up in what they call the speed controller, which is a sub-module off the major module. Right was just locking up at some point it still had power going into it but no power coming out when the problem occurred but anytime you would plug or unplug it you it would, would reset, reset it. it so it would work again for a while so his natural assumption was that 
the motors kept going bad. Mm-hmm. And like I said, fortunately for him, not for the company that makes the parts, but they, they warranted two of them for him. Right. And then after that, they said, no, 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 we're not giving you another one. You've got to go find out what's wrong. And it's just how you can easily get off on a tangent. And, you know, I see that a lot with, with uh, people using a digital voltmeter trying mm-hmm. to check a circuit. Mm-hmm. You can check a circuit. If there's one little strand of wire That's right. left in that circuit, it will flow voltage through that meter and full give voltage. you full voltage and give you the reading you want. Now, if you check that same circuit under a load, that's right. You will notice there's no voltage. Well, I have seen people go so wrong with oh that yeah. type of Well, uh, that's called a voltage drop test. Right. That is where you would put a voltmeter across the circuit. In other words, let's say we've got a headlight here and it's too dim. We check at the headlight, I've got 12 volts going into it. I got a full ground. However, if we go around the headlight, we go to the source of the power and go to the other side of it and put a voltmeter there, turn the lights on, we'll see three or four volts flowing around the circuit. And what it is, it can't flow through the circuit because it's too much resistance. So it will flow around, around it. through the voltmeter. And as a general rule, you should have, depending on the circuit, you should have a half volt or less flowing around it depending on what it's doing what it's doing, and all that. But if you've got two or three volts flowing around it, You've got a problem. You've got a problem, and that requires a voltage drop test, not just a voltmeter test. Correct. See that an awful lot with battery terminals and stuff, where they'll say, well, I put my voltmeter on, I had 12 volts, but the car still cranks slower, won't start. Mm-hmm. And you do a voltage drop test across it, and you say, well, you got a bad battery terminal. Well, how can I have 12 volts? Because any connection at all will give, you, give 12 you 12 volts exactly. with no load. It's sort of like if you can imagine a garden hose that's been pinched off almost through. If you just turn it on, you're going to have a big old squirt of water. However, if you let it run for just a second, it peters down, 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 and to where it's barely dribbling out. Right. But if you let it sit there until the pressure builds back up against the restriction, when you first turn on, you're going to get a big squirt of water. You'll see that sometimes with, like, fuel pressure, where they'll say, well, I've got good fuel pressure. How do you know you got good fuel pressure? Because I took and I put my thumb on the little thing and, and, and gas squirted out. out. No, no, no. That doesn't mean you've got fuel pressure. That just means some gas is flowing. Exactly. Now, what you have to do is put a fuel pressure gauge on it. And under the conditions that the situation is occurring, you've got to have the specified amount of fuel pressure. Correct. And when I say the specified amount, let's say the spec is 47 PSI. And you've got 40. you got 40. That vehicle may not even start at 40. Exactly. And may run perfectly at 47 because it's just that critical. Right. And those are just two arbitrary numbers. Some cars are more critical than others, but I've seen two or three pounds be the difference between not starting and oh, running yeah. fine. Definitely. So you've got to have not only a fuel pressure gauge, you've got to have a known good fuel pressure gauge, properly calibrated, Attached properly and, and you, under the condition where the situation occurs. You've got to understand how it works. Yeah, that's right. A lot of times people will come in with fuel pressure problems and they'll say, well, I had the fuel pressure check. It's okay. First thing we do, we hook a gauge up, go drive the car. And if you just key on engine off, it's right. got full, it's gonna build it's full, got fuel, full pressure. fuel pressure. That is true. It does. However, you attach the gauge, you go drive the car. When the situation starts to occur, the pressure, the pressure drops way off. down. Well, again, did they do something wrong? Not really wrong. They just did Didn't, something incomplete right. and made a judgment based on incomplete results. Because you may have a fuel pump that is going out, and it may build full fuel pressure, key on, engine off. But with the engine running, it may not be able to maintain. 
more to the point, it may build full fuel pressure, maintain full fuel pressure. But when you turn the key off, it may drop it off may drop or, or it may drop off under load. It right. may drop off after running for 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes. You know, they can do all kinds of things. So to do one test and say it's okay is kind of like a person comes into the doctor and he checks your blood pressure and says you're perfectly healthy. Uh-huh. Well, you may be eating completely up with cancer and but still have still... perfect blood pressure. <laughs> right. You know, that doesn't mean you're okay because you have good blood pressure. Same thing with fuel pressure, voltage, or any other tests you might run. It only means that particular situation is not occurring at that time. Mm-hmm. Another place where I see people go way, way wrong a lot of times, and that's with an overheating problem, and they have changed virtually every component on the car, still overheating, and you suggest to them, well, you may have a blown head gasket. Oh, no, no, I had that tested. Well, okay, how did you have it tested? Well, we checked for CO2 in the, in the, in the coolant, and it mm-hmm. was done. Okay, that doesn't mean you don't have a blown head gasket. The presence of CO2 in the coolant means you do have. Right. However, the lack means, of it does not, not necessarily mean you, mean you don't. Right. Because that test, again, you may have to run it three, four, five times under different conditions to pick up. I mean, if it's grossly blown completely out. Oh, yeah, out, you'll, you'll see it right immediately. Yeah, you're probably going to pick it up right away. But if but, you've got one that's leaking just a little bit here and there and just enough to make too much heat into the combustion chamber then you w- you may not see it right off. Well, that occurs a lot of times where you got a cracked cylinder head. Mm-hmm. It's not truly a blown head gasket. However, it's a moot point. The head's got to come off either way to right. go further. Just but, depends on what you find when you get there. Right. You may have a crack in the cylinder head. Well, that crack may be very, very tiny. So the CO2 does not leak into the coolant when it's sitting there idling in the bay. You go drive it, get the engine warmed up, and it does. And as soon as it does, that excessive pressure going into the cooling system with the hot gases Boom, you got an overheat. It may only show up under certain conditions. Now, you can't go down, put this gauge on there, and test it going down the road. So what you have to do is drain some coolant out to create a space on top of the radiator. For the gas to accumulate. To accumulate. Go drive it until it does it. Come back and immediately test. That way you'll pick up on it. So I guess the point is there are any number of tests, combination of tests, but that's where a technician knows what combination of tests, under what conditions to administer them, and so on and so forth. So just getting a positive result on one particular test does not mean it's okay. Right. We get that all the time, and I can name any field of automotive repair, whether it's checking voltage, whether it's checking an ignition system, fuel pressure, transmission pressures. We get that constantly where a lot of times even another shop will refer work Mm -hmm. to us. And they said, we've tested everything. No, you hadn't tested everything. If you test everything, you'd caught the problem. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why, they, in their mind, they've done these things. They know they did them right. Although they don't truly know that, they assume they've done everything right. So they're not going to go back and, and, and re- question re- that. question it, right. I remember a long, long time ago, I had a car with a vibration on acceleration. Well, the very first thing that occurred to me is this feels like an inner CV joint. Mm-hmm. So I checked, and sure, they did have a bad inner CV joint. I changed both drive axles, went and drove the car again, and I still had the same vibration. Okay, well, it couldn't have been that. I must have made a mistake. So yes. I go on this tangent, and I mean, I spent about a week working on this car. Finally, I assumed, I said, well, let's just back, back up. Since I don't know anything about an automatic transmission, and I don't know anything about this problem. It must be the automatic transmission. <laughs> <laughs> so I called a friend of mine, Harvey, yeah. who was a transmission guru. And 
I said, Harvey, is there anything in this transmission that could cause a vibration under acceleration only? He says, well, no, not very likely. He says, did you check the intercept? I said, no, they're good. He said, how do you know they're good? Because I changed them. He said, well, how do you know they're good? I changed them. How do you know they're good? Yeah. And about the third time through the cycle, light it goes finally- off. He says, if you had not changed that part, what would you say this is? Mm-hmm. I'd say a CV joint, the inner CV. Yeah. He's okay. Well, why don't you go back with that? Well, I go in, I take the new part back out, take it apart, and sure enough, they had done a really poor job rebuilding it, got another set of axles put in, problem solved. Yeah. But it just shows you how you can just assume that, that just because you changed right. this part that it's a good part. Yeah, I remember going to a school back years and years ago when I was a young technician. This is a General Motors school, and the instructor was very, very astute. He said, never assume a new part is a known good part. And we still use that philosophy today, oh, yeah, even absolutely. more today. Well, that just, I mean, that ingrained in my mind that, you know, this, how important this was. But, yeah, you can't ever assume that new means good. New means it's supposed to be good. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't mean, mean necessarily it's good. it is. And most of the time when you replace a component, even if it's bad, you're going to get a slightly different symptom. Mm-hmm. But occasionally it may, that may be the way this part fails. When something goes wrong with this part, this that's is the what way happens. it goes. This is how it goes. And so the replacement is also bad, Mm -hmm. and you get the same exact symptom. And so you assume, okay, that wasn't it. See, that's where do-it-yourselfers are really, really up against it because most of them do not have the The, equipment or the expertise to diagnose the problem. So what they do is they change a component. Mm -hmm. Then if they still have the same problem, they assume, okay, well, that's not it. Right. That was a good component. Let's go somewhere else. Right. And and they'll go off on a tangent of really, really, really spending money because they don't have a way to To test and diagnose this thing. So you you can't ever do that. You're actually better off on the components where you can do it to move a component to a, a different place. Like, for instance, if you assume an ignition call is bad, Let's say we've got a misfire on cylinder two. Okay. Let's move the call to cylinder three, move the spark plug to cylinder one, take number one and put, because you didn't have misfires on those cylinders, so those Correct. are known good parts. Now, if the misfire moves to cylinder one, the spark plug was bad. If it moves to cylinder three, the call was bad. If it doesn't move at all. Doesn't move at all. That ain't the problem. Exactly. You have confirmed that. Now you've gained a whole lot of factual information. For very little money. Right. No money at all. It seems like maybe that's a waste of time to some people. Well, I'll just go ahead and put a new set of plugs in it and see if that doesn't fix it. Well, but you hadn't really gained anything. And you don't know that maybe the plug wasn't gapped right. There may be an internal problem in that particular plug. how about the the brand new plug you get just happens to be bad also. Exactly. We've, We've seen that before. I had a guy come in one time with a Ford product. We did a tune-up so to, uh, to use the obsolete term we put a set of plugs in. he had no problem before mm-hmm. put a set of plugs in it he picks it up next day he comes back check engine lights on well we go in it's got a misfire on number two we swap the plugs the misfire moves it's a bad plug right it's not damaged there's no crack there's no break the gap is right it's just a bad, a bad plug. plug something internally is wrong in it causing the misfire same thing with call, same thing with every component out there. Mm-hmm. You know, a new part is not a known good part. So that's why sometimes we give people advice, well, let's start moving this stuff around. Oh, that's a lot of time, a lot of trouble. Well, do you want to solve the problem or do you want to save time? Right. Because your time, even though maybe it's valuable to you, is really not as much as what all these parts are going to cost and the frustration of not really ever fixing this problem. So, I mean, if you're in a shop where you've got – a multitude of test equipment i can put a scope on this problem and i can see what's happening i can see okay i've got a pulse to this call 
but I got no output from the car. I can test that because mm-hmm. I got a digital lab scope. If you don't have a digital lab scope, well, then you've got to move the part because just going by a new call doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to give you information. And moving the part, you still have to find a way to verify where the miss went to. Right. So that's can, assuming that you have a way to know that. Right. You have to have some kind of little scan tool or something to read the misfire data. Yeah, and you have to have something like a mode six where you can read the misfires because, like on a Ford, you can have a significant number of misfires before it will set a light. Oh, yeah. I've had them come in just missing to beat the band and not set the check engine light. Right. I've even had on a Chevrolet one time, you could unplug one of the calls and it wouldn't set it, a check engine light. Yep. It would miss, it would set misfires in mode six. But it but wouldn't, it wouldn't set a check the engine light. It just wasn't enough of a difference for the engine to pick up on it. And, again, some cars are better at picking that up than others. Right. But, yeah, you're not necessarily going to get a check engine light and a code. And that's why the scan tools, the, the better ones, are going to have the most six, six data. data where you can go in and see the misfires. So, yeah, that's a big, big, big advantage. And that's why sometimes it's just cheaper to pay somebody to find the problem for you. They already have all the tooling. There you go. One last quick little break and back with a whole lot more. So, Tina, are you interested in shopping next weekend? Oh, well, me and Harold leave for our European cruise on Friday. Another cruise? What? Are you all blowing the kids' inheritance? (laughs) No, we're just smart with our money. Like, our cars are paid off, and we're big on preventative maintenance. Harold takes them in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what we need to keep the cars running right. You'd be surprised on how fast you can save for a cruise without two car notes. (laughs) Wow, I never thought of that. I have time to do a little shopping this afternoon, though. I've got to get Harold a bathing suit. He keeps saying he wants one of those tiny Speedo suits because that's what everybody wears in Europe. And I cannot let that happen. Okay, now I have an image of Harold strutting around the pool in a Speedo. I think I'm going to book a general inspection from Agco to clear my mind. He wanted hot pink, too. (laughs) Tina, stop. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us at the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Still got a few minutes. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? We'll try to get you an answer. If not, you got to wait till next week. Or That's hit, it. Hit us up on the website. Either way. Either way. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be able to call in. So, you were talking a little bit about diagnosis and, and kind of, I guess, difficult diagnosis or Things that get overlooked a lot. Mm-hmm. I've got another case where, and I've told this story before, but for folks who hadn't listened recently, if <laughs> new to them, you know, we had a car come in and kept setting an EGR code, and they had changed the EGR valve, they had changed the EGR sensor, they even changed the PCM. Right. But it kept setting an EGR code, and really the EGR was working, and they finally brought it to us. And the first thing we tested was EGR function. It is working right. So, First, I suspected a bad PCM, but before I can say that, I have to start checking every input to the PCM. Correct. And as I'm checking all these different, about 300 wires here, there's a ground wire that goes into the PCM that it is a ground. If I check between it and ground, there is a, there is a ground there, mm-hmm. but it was a very scrambled up ground with a lot of trash on it. And put a scope on it you can see a distinct pattern like a motor running right on this ground so i checked it and justin actually checked it i didn't but he checked it and it was the ground 
to the fuel the pump, pump sender unit. Yeah, right. I remember that one. And what happened? He went back to the fuel pump to verify it, and he saw someone had replaced the pump. What they did is there's two grounds. There right. is one that is a body ground for the pump. And then the other one is for the sending unit. Sending unit, which goes to the PCM. Correct. They had crossed those two wires. That particular model, they had an updated wiring harness that's right. plug for with that. A, with a bigger, heavier connector because the connectors would burn up. Correct. And that's how it got messed up. They took the, the grounds up backwards on it. Right. They hooked the two grounds backwards. Now, it had a ground on both leads yes, like it, it was did. supposed to. So it would run. Yep. However, that pattern from the motor in the pump running was going back into the PCM, which was just confusing it. When it got confused, the first code that it could generate just happened to be an EGR code. And it always always used that one. Right. As soon as its mind got blown, that's just where the programming went. Yep. It would generate an EGR code. And so it had absolutely nothing to do with the EGR value. It was just a poor, unlucky soul that got called out. And again, something like that, unless you have got an awful lot of experience, an awful lot of tooling, and the guy who had done the work, he had forgotten he had changed uh-huh. the fuel pump. And he'd also forgotten that's about the time that the problem started. Right. Which is a very, very important clue. When did the problem begin? What was was anything done to the vehicle when the problem occurred? Right. And he had brought this to several shops, but he neglected to say this problem started when, when I changed the fuel pump. Uh-huh. He didn't tell me that either. Justin we, just happened to be smart enough or lucky enough or whatever to, to find it. go to that particular thing because we were suspecting a PCM, even though it had been replaced. I'm right. saying, okay, another bad PCM, which the odds are pretty high. I mean, it happens. It could happen. I've seen it happen before. But, again, without testing every one of those pins going in and every one of the pins coming out, you just can't you confirm know. that. And that is a sizable task. Oh, yeah, there's what? Almost 100 wires going oh, into that PCM? Maybe two or 300. And that can take two, three hours of diagnostic time. Sure. So a lot of people are reluctant to want to spend. You know, most shops are charging 100 to 150 bucks an hour to pay somebody three or four hours to check all this stuff. They're very, very reluctant unless their feet are against the fire. They've mm-hmm. changed everything they can think of, and they just can't fix problem. Well, now you got to go with what the guy says. Fortunately, we did. It took about an hour and a half, two hours to find this. But once we found it, we swapped two wires around. Fixed it. Problem done. was fixed. Nothing to do with the EGR valve right. at all. So, all right. I see we're just about out of time. You need to start winding on up. Tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening to the Automotive Hour this morning and every Saturday morning. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service. Find a rewritten review and fill it out for us. There you go. Give us a positive review and it'll move us up in the rankings where more people can hear us. There you go. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.